0: welcome to the Master Your Mix podcast. My name is Mike Navina and thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Today my guest is Steve Shady and if you're not familiar with Steve, Steve is a 25 plus year veteran of the studio. He began his career as an intern at Willie Nelson's studio in 1995 and ever since then he has just worked his way up. Steve has since worked not only with Willie Nelson but he's worked with a ton of other great artists including Sublime. He worked on their self-titled record. He also worked with Hilary Duff on her self-titled record. He won a gold record for his work done on Kenny Wayne Shepherd's live on CD. He's also been nominated for a Grammy Award for the work that he's done with Lost Lonely Boys. He's just done a lot of great stuff. And and as you'll hear in this interview, Steve is just a ton of fun. He's just a guy who loves working on audio, loves being in the industry, loves just connecting with people. And I think you're going to get that out of this interview here today. And in this interview, he shares a lot of great stories about working with Willie Nelson and how to run your sessions efficiently. And, you know, he works with some really big artists and artists don't have time to just kind of hang around while well, you figure out what you're doing. So in this interview he shares a lot about how he prepares for sessions and what he does to just make sure that the artists are happy, that everything goes smooth, and a lot of these lessons they can be applied even if you're not working with a big superstar. You know, even if you're just working in your basement with your bandmates or some friends or whatever. Taking a lot of these principles will go a long way into making sure that you capture the best recordings possible, that you have a efficient session and that, you know, everyone is just pumped and motivated and happy in the end so i think there's a lot of great stuff to take from this interview and like i said steve's a lot of fun so let's just jump right into that interview all right steve shady thank you so much for being on the master mix podcast how are you today
1: i'm doing well it's a great morning for me (laughs) amazing i'm working after a month
0: yeah it's nice to get a little bit of a break every now and then right (laughs) Yeah, absolutely Right on. For people who might not know your history or be familiar with you and your work, can you give us that story about how you got into music, how you ultimately got into production and mixing and all the stuff that you're doing now?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the getting into music part, I was really young. I just started gravitating towards my, my parents would always play records. They, they, You know, they listened to Floyd and Hendrix and all that kind of stuff. And I just started like vibing in my crib my mom said i would be bouncing around and jamming out and, and she would just always play records for me then i got into a choir and band in school and then i started playing guitar in junior high just like everybody else because i wanted to meet girls <laughs> that's how i got that's why i got into drumming too <laughs> exactly, man, music what, what? <laughs> so so um i was playing in bands and, and studying music here in denton at the town the town i'm in right now and um I just got tired of tired of it. So I went down to, to Austin and uh, there was a, a a school in San Marcos, Texas that had this new engineering program that would take all my music hours. And I was like, okay, that was my motivation. What's going to take all my hours so I can get out of school, get back and play and start touring around. And I, I got in the studio and I was like, man, this is so cool. And they got me an intern at Willie Nelson's bird house recording studio. First day on the job, Willie and the Beach Boys showed up after hours to do a a session, and I was like, "Wish that footage is online. His son just showed it to me the other day. No way, of of your very first day? Yeah, I mean, I'm not in it, but, yeah, it's if you Google, uh, Willie Nelson sings in the studio with Beach Boys or whatever. So uh, we're working with a local band. The engineer goes, can you stay? Willie just called, they're coming in, or the office called. And he was going to sing on a Beach Boys record where they're they're doing a just, everybody sings on one of their songs, so we think, "Yeah, well, it's going to command sing on this." I'm like, "Great, I'm going to meet, meet meet Willie Nelson." Well, damn, man, the Beast voice showed up. And just <laughs> like, This is kind of cool, and I just never left. Uh, uh, October will be 27 years. Wow, half of my life. I'm, I'll be 54 in a month, and, and 27 years at the studio. So, jeez, that man, I didn't that's crazy. That until I was, I was sitting in the room the other day, going, "I've been in this room 27 years." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's amazing like I never so left. so like but even that the idea of just getting an internship at that studio i imagine that i mean you made you made it sound like it was just easy to get but i imagine that there's probably a lot of competition to to get that kind of spot yeah
1: there. i, I guess yeah everybody needed an internship but i was a good musician so I, I just i excelled at it man because i could and this is one of the things i think is important you have to be able to relate To not just people, but musicians, you, you, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but man, if people aren't comfortable around you, you're not getting anything. (laughs) Anyway, the guy that was the engineer for the program, head engineer for the program, he, he was one of the engineers at Willie Nelson's and he just asked me if I wanted to do that. And I said, yeah, sure.
0: Man, that's, that's, that's a dream right
1: there. Just have like yeah, a nice lucky dude. I'm the, I sh- yeah. I'm the luckiest guy. I keep telling my daughter, man, hey, you got to be smart. Cause I used up for all our family's <laughs> luck.
0: <laughs> I love that. So, so that's crazy. Like you're, so your very first day you meet Willie Nelson, you meet the beach boys and like, Looking back at that day, like what were you doing at that time as an intern? Because I imagine that you weren't you weren't touching any of the board or any of that stuff like that first day. I'm sure, right? Well, the,
1: the guy there didn't want an intern, Larry. Again, <laughs> we okay. became fast friends pretty soon. Uh, you know, the, it wasn't an intern situation at that studio. The, they never had interns. It's a pretty closed loop there. And um, yeah, I took. I was just kind of observing. I think I might have taken some notes. You know. That's about it. And I started working the tape machine. We didn't have Pro Tools and I had to change reels. And Willie doesn't, Willie keeps rolling when he's in the studio. So I got really good at changing two inch reels on a Studer A800. It was big 14 inch, two inch reels of tape because, man, he'd just be going and going and going and going. And you didn't, you had about 15 seconds between songs to switch a reel. In. Really? <laughs> so, And I started doing that. Then he started letting me put up mics and then he started letting me patch stuff in. And once he figured out, once he trusted me enough to patch stuff in and put up mics, I was doing everything. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. You do enough of those sessions where everything's correct. He's just like, all right, well, you know, do this usual setup and I'll be in an hour after you or whatever. You're like, hey, wait a minute. Did I just get screwed
0: here? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, you, you have to obviously prove your worth. And, you know, by by paying attention to those little details and probably learning the way Willie likes to work and all that stuff like, you know, that's a pretty specific situation, like working for an artist and having them, you know, they've got their years of experience coming into it, too. So you're you're learning their their approach, really. And, uh, you know, making sure that you're paying attention to those details so that you can rise to the top or ri- rise to the occasion when it's your time to get called for a session. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just fit in, man. I Like I said, I just got lucky. Everything. F- was cool from day one i mean you have you have anxiousness and and you get nervous and, and all those natural feelings but willie always made me feel comfortable not by doing anything specific but just by being a real dude you know he'd come in and you just you just interaction was easy you know and i'm not the kind of guy to fawn over people and i don't i don't get all starstruck and stuff i mean don't get me wrong you're in the room with some guys sometimes you're like damn man that's I don't know, Merle Haggard or or whoever, you know, but that's like two seconds and then you're back to work. Cause if you focus on that, you're not doing your job.
0: Of course. Yeah, That's a really good point. It's funny because before we hit record here, we were joking around about like internships and like, you know, what advice would you give to somebody? And, and you, you shared a story about someone saying like, you're, you're not in the band, stop partying or whatever. You know? yeah, it's like
1: You're not in the band. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that was it, man. The guy was out there partying and he came in. And I mean, look, if you're going to party, that's your business. And if you could do your job, I'm pretty tolerant of all that stuff. I mean, you know, if you're destroying your life. It might be like, Hey dude, uh, go, go away with that but but if you're smoking some weed or whatever you better be able to do your job okay i don't care if you're stoned if you can do your job stoned, but you better be able to do your job well and you know that's usually not the case sure. so i never really partook much at work but yeah this dude was out there getting high and came in he was a zombie <laughs> <laughs> and the engineer just looked over and said, "Hey, you're not in the band." We all knew what he meant. That's all he said. It was like, yeah. "Damn!" <laughs> so,
0: well, well, it makes sense. And it's, it's the same thing going back to like being starstruck. It's like if you're if you're so focused on everything but the engineering, like you're you're gonna fail. You're, you know, you're not doing your job. So you have to, you have yeah. to. Yeah, I'm like, not
1: there to pitch songs. I'm not exactly. there to to get autographs. I think I've gotten three autographs from Willie. Like one from Music Cares one for my uncle when he was passing away, you know, I don't want to go out and bought, we're, we're there to, he's being creative, we're there to do stuff. Getting autographs is not on my list of things to do, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure, that's amazing. Well, I mean, the idea of working as like a house engineer for some big star musician, like, I think a lot of people would see that as the dream, you know, to have, to just to have like a home base that you can go to and to have, to work with like amazing talent every day, like that's, it's a pretty rare thing for a lot of people. So what do you think it is about you that keeps Willie coming back to you? Like, I mean, you've been there for, you said, tw- like 27 years. So yeah. so there's obviously something that has made you guys connect a lot. Well, originally it was
1: run commercially. And I, I mean, I was, a, I was a heartbeat in there that could get the job done as far as the office that ran the place was, was concerned. I mean, it was more than that. We're all very close. But, you know, you could count on me to get the job done and it would be done okay at first and better than good, you know? For No one's great when they start. But with Willie now in later years, I think he's just comfortable around me, you know? Like I was saying, I don't want anything from anybody except what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, and I, I never tried to manipulate a situation to my own advantage or anything like that. And that's just because my mom and dad raised me right. You know, it's just, I'm not in there to hustle, man. If you're gonna hustle, go do your hustling on the street. And, and he knows when he comes in, we're going to record. We're going to say, hi, hey, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And we're not going to – I'm not trying to get anything from you and except a vocal and some guitar, and you're not trying to do anything you're not supposed to with me. You know, you're not trying – we don't take advantage of people. That's just how your, how your upbringing is. I mean, I've seen people lose their mind in there, dude. It's like, all right, dude, come on in here, but be cool. All right, I'm going to be cool. And then Willie walks in and says, like, oh, my God, I'm your biggest fan. It's like, oh, my God, get out, you know. Yeah, he's he's just a good guy, man. And that's, I think, I me, mean, we never had a conversation about it, so I couldn't tell you. We just get along.
0: <laughs> and, that, and that's probably it, right? The fact that you guys haven't had that conversation just shows like you guys just treat each other as humans, and that's all that matters, right? It's like, yeah,
1: and, and I try to I try to, you know, all the stuff that your parents told you that pissed you off because you didn't want to hear it, it's probably right good information. Like, you know, <laughs> it's not who you are, it's how you treat people, it's not how much money you have, blah, 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 and all that stuff where you're just like, I want all the money, I want to, you know, your kid, whatever. So, you know, just try to pass those on those lessons on to your kids. And try not to make it about you. (laughs) For sure. I find myself being my dad a lot, and I'm going, oh my God, what did I just say? (laughs) I really
0: just say that. Yeah, it happens, right? Yeah, as you get older you definitely look back and you're like, Oh shit, yeah, I'm turning into them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I look in the mirror, I'm like, what's my dad doing in the mirror, man? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> right on. So yeah, I mean, like, I know a lot of people, especially in the early days of like trying to get into this professionally, a lot of people have this fear of like, you know, how do I how do I get clients or how do I get them coming back to me at least, you know? Like, so I'm curious to know, like, what advice do you have for those people in terms of like getting artists to to trust you and keep coming back to you and like to to stand out over everyone else. Cause, cause I'm sure there's lots of other engineers that Willie could be working with as well. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of great engineers. I mean, one of the things, again, my dad used to say when I was a musician, I was thought I was getting good. You know, he's like the best guitar players. No one's ever heard from He's in his room somewhere, you know, playing. (laughs) I would say just be yourself and don't, don't, I don't know. Don't try to manipulate things so to advance yourself. Of course, you want to advance your career, but you got to do it in a, in a way that's not. I mean, there's proper ways to go about things. You don't snag clients. I know, guy. I, I I don't know them. I've seen guys in lobbies at sessions trying to snag your clients. Well, they come out and go to the bathroom and stuff. You know, that's that's wrong, dude. <laughs> you know be a decent human being. And, and I think that will get people to come back and, you know, you got to know what you're doing. You got to be efficient. You got to, you got to get good tracks for sure. But getting clients is something I'm, I'm not struggling with right now, but I've been in such a bubble for so many years and I never really put myself out there. And we stopped running commercially in about 2012, 2013. And, 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 all of a sudden, I was like, man, I've got a lot of downtime. I had to learn it. God, back, I guess I was 47 or something. I had to learn how to go out and get gigs. And at 47, you don't want to be in a bar having beers with the band. Or I don't, at least, yeah. you know. That ends up in handcuffs. <laughs> so I don't go to the bar. <laughs> you just, it's things like social media. Uh, I had a girlfriend that got me to do Instagram, which I didn't, want to do at all, but I'm having I have fun with that. I'm I'm pretty funny on it, I think. That's what I'm told. I don't know. I just post pictures and make smart ass comments and people seem to like it. But the phone's been ringing So <laughs> I would say network, you know, you gotta you gotta get out there, but don't be a cheesehead about it, man. You know, just just be yourself. You can't have all the gigs. You know, just, for sure and you don't
0: own bands, you know, if you work with a band they want to work with somebody else, so what? That's their prerogative. Yeah, for sure. I, I think there is there is some sort of level of acceptance with that too, right? Like some bands are going to move around. Some bands want those different producers or different engineers working on their projects, and you just got to be cool about it. And I hundred percent agree. It's like you can't take it all like personal, and you can't just be a dick about it. It's like it's going to happen. Holy yeah,
1: man, you'll ruin yourself. I've seen guys eat themselves up, and they're they're not thinking about you. So why are you letting that occupy your headspace, man? You know, not not thinking about you in a like. They're just, it's business, man. There's a certain aspect of it that's business. And there are a lot of relationships. I've got some good friends that have good clients that, I mean, I don't, they just work well together. And I, I couldn't see them working with other people, uh, the, the client, but it's possible. For sure. This is Austin's a pretty, it was people, too many people are moving there, but it's a pretty chill community and, and people get along. There's, there wasn't a whole lot of, backstabbing and shit talking going on and i mean there might be a little bit more now because as everything gets bigger and more money comes into town and stuff but and if again if if you can't say something good about somebody don't say it it's you know (laughs) we all talk talk bullshit but you know better watch out who you're talking it to
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think i'm gonna have to label i'm gonna have to name this episode something like using lessons from your dad or something like that, you know, yeah, right. it's like, <laughs> everything your dad told you and everything you learned in kindergarten is all you need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. So, so you start working at Willie's place. You've been there now for 27 years. Um, what's, what's a typical session look like with Willie? Like how is everything just kind of already set up for him now? Or like, what, what does that typically look like?
1: Well, I mean, since since COVID, yeah. I mean, I, I had stuff patched in for a year, year and a half. I was living out there for 15 or 16 months. I lived out there. I had a place 10 miles away, but I never went to it. But, uh, I mean, pre-downsizing, basically, you had, uh, I would go in and set up and be ready because when the band walked in, when Willie walked in, it was go time. They sat down and went. And if you weren't ready to record, they were going to play anyway. And they're out there playing, and you're not, you know, so – had to be ready and now it's primarily his his vocals and um and and trigger his guitar so that stays patched in for the most part. I'll bring bands in there sometimes and strike stuff down but uh I could I can stay dialed in and set up but sometimes I just unplug stuff and move the knobs because man you don't want to be that guy who's got oh this compressor's for vocals only don't turn the knobs you know it's just just, I don't want to do that. You know that gets too you get too complacent, and then something comes down the line. You're like, ah!
0: <laughs> but yeah, sure. I do a lot
1: of his his. He's got two. He's got a lot of kids, but the two sons uh, both are very musical, as are the daughters. But I, I work a lot with his son Lucas and his son Micah, and you know we'll strike everything and do a band session. And those are pretty normal. You know, you get there, everybody's kind of chill. You're setting up, but with Willie, when he walks in, I'm ready to go. I'm hitting record. I hear him through the mic. I hit record. You got gigs of data. You know, he's going to sit down and start playing. He may or may not ask you if you're ready. These days he does. (laughs) used to be, man, you better be rolling, dude. (laughs) That's just, I've seen so many guys come in to work with him, and he's like, well, let's run through it. And I'm like, you better roll, dude. He said he's going to run through it. Well, guess what? Let's hear that back. That's the take, yeah. (laughs) I told you to be rolling, dude. I thought I'd let you hang yourself once. So (laughs) roll.
0: That's amazing. Hard
1: drives, you know, tape. It was more like, oh man, I'm going to run out of tape. You're looking over at the machine now. It's just like, whatever. You know, you got five terabytes. You're not running out today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I mean, that makes sense, right? Like a lot of these, these people, you know, time is precious to them. And so to, to take your time setting up, like that doesn't work in anyone's favor, Except for yours, maybe you know, and th- so you have to be ready to go. So with with Willie, like where he's like always recording in digital, like are you guys are you just kind of continuously recording in Pro Tools, or are you using playlists and stuff like that? Like, how, how, what's your normal organization look like there?
1: As it is now, I get tracks sent to me from his producer Buddy Cannon in, in Nashville. They're pre-recorded, and and I'll have just have them lined up just like we did with tape. And that's how I got so fast shuttling those tapes. But now you just open the session, put the mixer on input so, you know, he can hear himself talking and, and yeah, I do do playlists of vocals and he'll, he'll, he'll do several passes and then, then it's done. It's very quick, man. You usually, it's a whole lot of, man, I got to get
0: everything going here. All right. right. Okay. We're doing this. Oh, he's gone. What happened? Yeah. He's fast. (laughs) That's amazing. So, So how, how long is a typical like vocal session with him? We just
1: did six songs. He sang through six songs and played guitar on them in about an hour and a half. Jeez. (laughs) But he'll come back. That's the initial, like, he wants to hear. There's a scratch track. Well, he doesn't want to sing to the other guy in his head, so we do, like, tracks so he can live with it a while. Then he'll come back, but... Man, it'll take the actual in-chair times, usually one to three, one to four hours, depending. If he's in there, uh, his sister just passed, which was a real bummer for all of us, but they'd come in and play for hours together, piano and guitar. And that, I would just let it roll. Even in between, because there's some gold in between, man. Of course. just, Just two people who love each other playing music is awesome. That needs to be, with all due respect to privacy, that should be recorded.
0: You may course. never listen
1: to it again, but man, it's just that kind of stuff. I've sat in there four hours, not not being able to go to the restroom. There's one entrance and to the control room by design, which I tried to get them to put a back door
0: in for me when we redid the place. they were like, "No, nah, I don't think so." So. <laughs> so I imagine that there's like archives and archives of all the stuff that maybe you captured in between. So like when he's working on a record, is it? it do you ever find yourself like? Let's just go back to these old sessions and let's listen to, you know, all these hours and hours of all the stuff that we captured or or does he pretty much have a good, clear vision of like that? That's a song that we're going to keep or that we're going to use that kind of thing.
1: Well, the song now, the songs are, are already done, like, okay. like I was saying, yeah. and they get sent to me. But, um, yeah, after he leaves, I'll go through and comp. I'll do comps or I'll send them to the producer to do comps. It depends if I'm, if it's one of his projects, I'll send it to his guy, Tony Castle in Nashville, and, and they'll comp. Or, or I might do like, you know, well, I got to comp that. He missed a, a, a line or whatever. But if it's somebody else that he's doing a, a guest spot on, I'll comp it and, and I'll send it to him. And I'll, nothing goes out until he likes it and his manager likes it. And then it goes out. And now I mean, other than the initial comping, of the guitar and the vocals, I mean, it's there, but, you know, everybody wants the track, send me everything. I promise no one will listen to it. I'm like, yeah, ne- even you, you're not listening to it either because you're, <laughs> you're getting the comp and, and what, he, what he says can go out or what the powers that be say can go out. Yeah. Because you got to be respectful, man. There's so much, you know, all the stuff that's out there, dude, people cutting farts, people doing this, people <laughs> bitching out their band. You know? I don't want that. That's yeah. We don't want a problem. record of Willie Nelson
0: farts or something like that. You know, or anything. I mean, just <laughs>
1: anything. People are looking for dirt, man. You know,
0: of and course. So you're not getting dirt from me, dude. I got <laughs> dirt, but you ain't getting it. <laughs> but man, like this again is another thing that really shows the value you provide to someone because you you genuinely care. You're like you're you're acting like an audio bouncer to some degree of you know like what what goes out <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that. I do
1: have my flashlight. Hey, tip. A Dickie (laughs) and a flashlight will get you through any crowd at any club, especially if you're as big as I am. Just part, you can part the Red Sea with that light, man. you just, excuse me, right up to the stage. <laughs> now you have to suffer the wrath of the people who just figured out you. they got hustled to go onto the stage, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess an audio bouncer. That's that's a new one. I like put that, that. Put
0: that on your business card. Yeah, I'm going to get
1: some shirts made up. <laughs> I have two business cards, man. I probably shouldn't say this. <laughs> but I'm going to have two business cards, one with a number and one without. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes you're like, "No way! Do I want this dude calling my phone?" So, yeah, you can get through me to the through the website, man. You know? Love it.
0: That's a great yeah. idea.
1: <laughs> that actually happened by accident, but it, and then I, I ended up going. You know, this isn't such a bad thing because you can. I always look at the website. Yeah. Eventually, that's how you got a hold of me, and I just forget I have that email. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I've got that website email." Oh, that's good for some entertainment sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old friend of Willie's. Can you give me his phone number? Oh, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, wow. No.
0: Yeah. I imagine that that would happen quite often. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. people are crazy with that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, th- so uh, speaking of your website on your website, there was a great video that you had, um, where you were talking a little bit about your console and some of your workflow with Willie. And one thing that struck out to me, that stuck out to me was that you were talking about how you like to ride the faders as Willie records vocals, since he's very dynamic instead of using compression. So I'm curious to know, like, you know, why do you prefer to work that way as opposed to using compression on the way in? Well, I have comp- I have a tube tech on him because okay. I mean,
1: I love that compressor. A lot of people don't like it. but A lot of people do. I think it's great. I can't hear it. Sometimes it'll be a dB, and sometimes I'll turn over and there's seven dB, and it's just not, you know, he he he'll, he'll, he can pound you, man. Um, I just don't want to have overs. You know, you can deal with unders, but you can't deal with overs. So over the years, like especially with the old knee, we used to have an older knee, not a 5088, which we have now. Um, you could saturate that preamp pretty easily, or I had to have it at a level where it wouldn't saturate, but I needed to push it. To get the low parts but you know when he i could just i just know when it's coming man it's much easier now because you do your first pass and you see the waveform yeah but i could just feel it coming man you know it's just i know when he's gonna be loud so i used to ride this i used to come insert return on the on the ssl from the neve 80 series thing and ride the little fader and i just stopped thinking about it and i just do it now and yeah i, I ride it to to tape that's amazing I need to have it cranked up for the lows because, man, he has some beautiful stuff down low when he's not singing very loud. But, man, it's coming. <laughs> the, the the level is coming, and you just got to know. So I never really thought about it. So someone pointed it out. They're like, dude, you're riding the level to tape. I didn't think that was that big a deal. I thought a lot of people did that. but.
0: But it's, it's an interesting approach, and I think in some respects, a lot of people would be really scared of doing that, especially if, you know, someone like Willie and, like, you know, like you said, everything's fast and, like, you want to be as efficient as possible. So there's, there's, e- there's easily room to slip up and do the wrong thing to the vocal with it, you know, but you've clearly got a, a method that works for you. Like, are, are you just... Is it, is it just because like over the years of you working with Willie, like you kind of learned his body language or something like that to know when something's coming and you can find a space in the silence to push the fader or like what's that was well, like?
1: It used to be the way we had it when we had a, the, the Neve on the side and an SSL and the way the studio was, I could see out a little window where he's off to the side. But now the console is smaller, things are being made more compact. I can't see him anymore looks like I was leaning over really, you know, uncomfortably. So. I used to be able to look at them, but now I can just tell, just by the material, what's coming. But I come in; all that's going to be affected is level to tape because I come in after the compressor. You know, I'll come preamp out into the compressor. It's, if it's on the insert, it's still the last thing in the chain is the fader, so he's still hitting the gear the same way. Gotcha. Like with the with the older Neve, I was riding the level, like so he wouldn't distort that preamp. You can't really distort the. uh I mean, you can distort the 5088, but like I said in that video, you're really screwing up if you do. That thing's got headroom for days. (laughs) So I'm just writing how much of the desired sound is getting into the recorder. Like I said, if you clip something, man, okay, you can use software and this, that, and the other thing, but you may not get it back. But if you're too low, you can always crank it up to some degree. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a very small range I'm working in there, but it's enough. It's like, oh, he's
0: going to hit me. So I just pull back a little. I couldn't even tell you how much. Depends on the length the fader. I guess, too, if, if you're going after the compressor, then a lot of the heavy lifting is done by that. So you don't have to make, like, yeah. giant moves. You might be only, like, a dB or two here or there, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, that's that's it. Gotcha. But on that old Neve, it was actually, you'd set the, the the knob to a nominal level, and then it was actually, you know, you could you could screw up then. Which I'm, I might have distorted a vocal or two back then, but you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was then, this is now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey, that, that's all part of it, right? Like learning how to, learning your technique of how you're going to do it, you're going to have to make mistakes along the way. and But it's, it's, it's a really interesting approach and, and I don't see too many people doing that these days. So that's why I wanted to ask about it because, yeah, it's just like a lot of people are scared to commit, you know, and, and scared to make moves on the fly. That's that's a very good statement to segue into, you
1: know, that's the thing I like about tape the most. I don't really, I'm not enamored by tape. I dealt with it a lot, you know, and it's like, man, whatever, you guys can have the tape and the headaches. But you had to make decisions. None of this 50 playlists of basically the same solo, you know, and then you're just putting off your decisions until later. And then that makes mixing one of your questions on here is, you know, we can get to it later, but man, don't send me nine playlists and you don't know what you want. And I'm here to mix, not, not comp your, your solo, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, if you want me to comp your solo, we could do that. But usually you, you hired me to mix something and now I'm fishing through data going, losing my musical is draining out of me as I'm going, well, which one of these is the one we use, you know, of course. So decision commitments. Great. I used to work with Andy Johns a lot and boy, you know, and his brother, I never worked with his brother, but they would do the same things. Oh, you want to do another solo. Okay. Well, this one's going away. You know, you might've had a track. You had to keep your time code track. You know, those guys were awesome bouncing stuff together. You get those, those tracks, old Hendrix records or whatever, all those old bands, everything, you know, I've got some multi-tracks for, uh, little wing and there's a, a lead and a, a lead guitar and a rhythm guitar and a background vocal. And I was trying to explain to my girlfriend, like, yeah, you would split it off and do mutes and, you know, and stuff. Everybody's
0: the computer makes things easy. That's not
1: necessarily good.
0: It's true. I agree with you though, is, you know, when you have those artists that want to do like take after take after take of the same thing, it's like, well, don't you know what your sound is? Like, you know, you, you need to have that vision of what, What's what's your song supposed to be? You know, yeah. What there, are those there's, parts? there's there's a lot of
1: insecurity in the studio. That's that's something I'm very sensitive to because I was a musician for. I didn't start doing this till I was 27. Man, there's nobody more vulnerable. I don't care who you are than a guy bringing a song in for the first time and playing it for you. No matter what the demeanor of the person is, you got to realize, man, that's something they created. That is something that they're not sure of yet. You know. But yeah, doing 17 solos on it's not making it better. At that point, you're just kind of avoiding. Yeah. It's just personalities, man. I got sure. guys, I know they're going to do a ton of solos. And I'm just like, all right. And I'm yeah. very close with them. I give them a lot of crap about it when I'm like, yeah, it's, it's the second one, but you can keep going. <laughs> the old guys, yeah, another track. Well, no, but I got playlists. We can do playlists <laughs> all day long.
0: <laughs> I like messing with people in a very friendly way. Man. Of course. Well, yeah. It all, I mean, it all comes down to like reading the room and knowing. You know who who you can joke around with, and and you know how they'll take it. And and I and I agree with your point too of like the sensitivity because yeah, it's a it's a very vulnerable thing, especially like singers. You know, like singing maybe really personal lyrics or whatever, and you know to criticize them without maybe knowing the context or whatever. It's like you can easily shoot yourself in the foot there and and ruin a session by. Speaking oh yeah, and, man, you yeah. gotta know people. I always they they called me from the
1: school I went to, the engineering school, and they called me one time and they're revamping the program and they're asking me what, what I thought they should do. I said, just psychology class, psychology class would be great. Forget <laughs> the calculus, dude. I mean, okay. I'm doing a logarithmic fade. I'm doing a non a linear fade. Who needs that? I need to know what's in this dude's mind over here. Does he want me to comment or does he want to hear what he wants me to hear you know, or what he wants me to say? You know, it's, it's hard.
0: It's so true. Like that, that is something that they do not teach in audio school that they really should. Like it is, it is psychology. It's therapy to some degree, you know, <laughs> like you have to, yeah. you have to know how to work with people and how to, how to be a good person. And, uh, yeah, I wish I wish that audio schools would teach that. Actually, that's that's a great point. Yeah, they didn't. I don't think they took me seriously. I think they thought I was joking
1: around. <laughs> Man, I was like, I'm serious, dude. You know that calculus I almost failed? That hasn't done a damn thing for me since I got <laughs> in the studio. But a psych class would have been great. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Um, so another thing I wanted to ask you about when it comes to like Willie's stuff is that um, you know a lot of Willie's music. A lot of the drum parts are done with brushes and, um, brushes are one of those things that's like very intricate. And I'm curious to know, like, what are some of your tips for getting brushes to cut through in a mix? Because, you know, a lot of people might be afraid of like adding a lot of compression or cranking the gain up because you might get too much noise. So like, what's your normal approach with that? Well, I used to record
1: Paul would just come in with a snare drum, Paul English and, and now Billy, um, Again, I mean, I got I got to point out and give credit where credit is due. Tony Castle does the does the most of the mixing and the band recording. But up, you know, I think 2014 I did the Merle and Willie record and Heroes around that time, and that's the last full band thing. Other than him coming in, that's another thing he likes to come in off the road and have the band play. But to answer the question, I mean, I use a 57 or a 201 on the snare. I'm very straightforward on that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, under mics, usually a, a buyer 201 or, or or 57 and yeah, i keep the gain nominal so you're not hearing the feet and every you know you get too much gain you start hearing the air conditioner all that but you know top end crank it down i mean i like plugins i i mix outboard but i always hit not always but i often hit a plug-in first you crank down on a on a digital plugin it's just gonna make it louder without necessarily it's gain structure you had that on there too man people don't know gain structure you can't be cranking everything man you know you're driving you can but it just drives everything later you know when we first got Pro Tools I had to learn to pull the faders back 3 or 6 dB or it would slam the SSL and not sound good man you know Mm -hmm. to me it didn't sound good I mean I like slamming SSLs don't get me wrong but it's got to be appropriately you know But you know what I'm saying, man? So I would just, I crank up on the, on the, on the afterwards, you know, the, the post. Gotcha. I'm mixing it, man. I'll put, I'll just put a compressor on digital compressor and and get level up and then go through something that sounds, you know, colored or whatever drums. I don't really color too much. I just kind of keep them drummy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will distort some drums from time to time on purpose sans amp or you know just cranking mike breeze too much or driving the ssl i don't really have access to an ssl anymore but i used to love to drive that thing right when those little red lights are just flickering that's when that sucker sounded good
0: (laughs) (laughs) right on yeah i was i was curious about it because i i personally don't record a lot of brush brush stuff um so i was always curious you know like what how people tackle that because yeah you might you might it's it's quiet to begin with, and then you know you might get someone that switches over to a stick halfway through, and your gain could be all out to lunch if you're cranking everything too much. And.
1: Yeah, there's that there's that grabbing the faders. I'm not afraid to grab faders when stuff's going down, man. Just be be cool, man. Don't freak out and just Wah! you know just Whoosh! you know that section's coming just. Hell, put a little piece underneath and, and on top and then you don't even have to think. Chick, 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 chick. Remember this old automation? If you had to make a quick move, you'd get the fader where you want to put a little piece of tape up under there and then you could have it down. We used to flick them up or just throw them up there and the tape would stop it. <laughs> Wham. I mean, we're talking a long time ago, man. No,
0: but <laughs> Yeah, that was the way it was
1: done, right? Yeah, group fade, you just get a pencil and <laughs> pull that thing <laughs> down.
0: <laughs> pull a few faders down at once. Yeah, you know, Back when you had to like do stuff, man. <laughs> so, For sure, it was it was all methodical. It, everything had a purpose, and it was all it was like choreographed to some degree, you know. Yeah, it was a performance. I still
1: like like I use the automation and Pro Tools a lot and Clip Gain, um but I like to ride on a on a on a pass of a mix when I'm getting close. I'll ride the solo with my fingers because you're uh, I said it in that video. That I got a story about that video in a segment the you know you're you're doing something man it's like you're feeling that you can't draw that in or you're gonna have to try five times to draw it in right it's it's you're doing something man you know you're feeling it and you're moving the fader you may be moving it so little that it's not doing anything but in your mind you're doing something and that that's counts for something for sure (laughs) but they, they got the drop on me on that video they were coming out to take pictures of the console air quotes you know she oh, really? gets <laughs> you, you notice my hair is all fried i'm kind of like being a smart ass and thing and, and and they're like all right it's time for your interview i'm like huh wait what <laughs> so i started messing with the silk button and made, and it, i mean the silk button's great i love it i love those guys at need they're great josh and martin and all those dudes out there tristan everybody they're all cool but i like i like to give them a hard time don't get the drop <laughs> on me, buddy. <laughs> I don't like that.
0: <laughs> right on. Well, hopefully they're listening and they can...
1: They, they got their head. <laughs> don't listen to me. <laughs> I owe them so much barbecue, they quit listening to me years ago. <laughs> I had a great idea for purple silk, and they didn't think it was so great, because you know they have the silk buttons on their gear? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll run it like a, a Shelford strip on the insert of the 5088, and I'll do blue on one, and Red on the other, and I call it purple silk, and I thought that was really clever. And they they were just like, "Yeah, whatever, dude." <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> but it works, man. That, I that, thought that was kind of cool, dude. All right, forget it. I got crickets chirping when I email or texted Josh about, about
0: purple silk. I was like, "All right, I guess the, that's a dumbass thing." <laughs> that's your uh, that's your like all buttons in basically kind of thing, right? It's there like you go. There What'd you go. get on
1: that snare? What'd you What'd you do? Well, I put the purple silk on there. Well, I don't have that. Well. <laughs> Trade secret,
0: <laughs> but not anymore. But <laughs> well, unless unless they make it on the consoles, pe- people aren't going to have it, right? Like yeah, they right. Say, it's going to come out next year and be like, Hey, man, I have this in writing where I, just said,
1: I texted you about purple silk. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, I'm not the only guy that does it. I just I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Looking at, yeah. <laughs> looking at it one day going, oh, Red, blue, make purple. These are the things that go through my mind when I've been in my house. For days on end with only going to the mailbox and mixing and waking up and there's a neve in your living room. You're just like, What have you done, man? You've taken your <laughs> refuge and turned it into work. Oh well,
0: <laughs> so, hey, I mean, have a knee in your living room is not a bad, not a bad thing, right? It's
1: not. It makes for a lot of air conditioning. I'll get I'll tell you that. That's
0: true. <laughs> back of
1: my house is freezing, and my girl and her daughters will be back there in coats and blankets, and I'm out here going, turn the day, turn the AC down. It's hot up here, man. <laughs> put off some heat man it's great Oh, for sure
0: I mean, they've, they've gotten better but they're still yeah they, they'll still cook up a room for sure yeah there's still heat involved <laughs> yeah, yeah of course um another instrument that I wanted to ask you about was uh your approach to recording acoustic guitars like what what are your go-to techniques for that kind of thing well I used to I mean t- and techniques
1: change I mean I, I think I think it's good to do different stuff but I used to do XY with pencil mics because a guy I learned from uh was very clinical. We were on tape, he wanted things to be easy mixing. Most faders were at or around zero, and and I still use that approach today. But uh I, I used to do an XY pair, a near coincidence, something like that, and and you know, with some km 84, km 100s whatever, 414s. 414s, not so much, but 451s I'd use. But I've gotten into, like, in the recent years, just doing double mono stuff and making the dude track it again.
0: Cause so actually double-taking the, the, the acoustic guitar. Yeah, have him
1: play it and play it again right away because it's just cooler. And you can do the – do you know about the Dublin nudge? <laughs> That's a little joke we came up the Dublin nudge, because you double and nudge it and spread it out, and it's sort of stereo. Gotcha, it's okay. Too, it's too perfect, though, man. I think um, Steve Collender over at um, Crucial Audio is making a piece of gear – Similar to, I think the Abbey Road had something that like delayed them and and sped them up. The tracks would be out of so slow. Yeah, I can't remember what
0: that plugin's called, but yeah, I've definitely seen it. It's got like a little, little, like very, very variable thing to it. Collender's
1: making an analog version of that. That guy's great. Steve Collender, Crucial Audio, makes the Echo Nugget, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. The Echo Nugget's what we use the most, but he's got DIs, stomp boxes. But anyway, there's nothing like a double track, man. And and I used to be so left right brain everything had to be even and now I like different stuff going on or if some guy clicks on the fretboard and the other guy doesn't that stuff used to drive me nuts and I used to make super clean clinically clinically correct records which I mean at the time that was period specific I mean everything in the nineties was pretty clean and and two thousands but I like a little I like a little humanness on the tracks now I'll leave something in. I can't leave spit in though, man. I can hear spit through stereo pan quadruple, <laughs> Marshall, and Mason. I'm like, did you hear some spit on the vocal? People are like, what? And I'll solo it up, and there's like tick. And I'm like, yeah. He <laughs> some peanut butter before he come do vocals, dude. You know, it's like, man. I cannot stand that. I got to get that out for some reason. That sticks. I hear that stuff, man. Well, because you, you picture it, right?
0: It, it just sounds gross.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's nasty, dude. Doing books <laughs> is a drag, man. It's like have some more water. <laughs> so, people are in there. Uh Isotope makes a plug-in for that. That for for you know, but back yeah, the in RX. The day, yeah, yeah, Rx Rx stuff's great. Those guys at Isotope are great. I man, everybody's great, dude. I mean, I don't really have much problem with people. You know, if you make something good, I'm gonna sit there and tell you about it, but it's not good. I'm. I'm not gonna just. I'm just not gonna say anything.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no
1: sense in lying about something, dude. You know, so just don't say anything. No sense in burning bridges and being nasty either, though.
0: Yeah, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Right, going back to my dad, dad lessons to conversation.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's more my mom actually. Okay.
0: <laughs> my dad talks shit all day long, but my mom now. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to edit me, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. I love it. <laughs> so that's cool that you, you actually double track your guitars because I, I know like a lot of people do that with electric guitars all the time, but you don't hear about it too often with acoustics. I, I would think that when I, I would think that part of it is that you would need a really good player to make it sound really tight. Otherwise you would hear a lot of the the pick the pick attack, you know, you'd hear a lot of that like kind of flammy kind of sound, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But man, if you just if, if you get a guy, and you know, just if it's if it's not super tight, pan it less. I mean, that helps. But yeah, if you get a dude, then it's good. He can really, really do it. It's like a twelve string, but six of the strings are on the left and six are on the right, and they're not an octave, all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Though thickens yeah, yeah. things up. It's pretty cool, man. I like it. I just get bored after a while. I'm like, man, you're making the same record. Or, dude, you need to evolve or devolve. Either one's fine, man. You know, get back yeah. to some Rolling Stones stuff and, and leave a little booger on the track. Who cares? Man, I hear all kinds of stuff on the Rolling Stones or Old Zeppelin or whatever. After working with Andy Johns for so many years, I mean, I I realized a great recording of a crappy song is not as good as, I don't want to say a crappy recording, but a not great recording of a great song is is okay. Think of the records you grew up with, man.
0: Yeah, it's more possible for there's sure. A, there's a lot
1: of stuff on there that's like, damn,
0: Pro Tools ruined
1: me on that. I never heard all that stuff. Then now now <laughs> I'm super hypersensitive to it, but I can turn it off, which took years to learn too. You got to be able to turn that off, man. You can't be rolling around in the cart
0: listening to just the snare drum in a song, man. You got to be listening to the <laughs> song, dude. <laughs> of course. Of course. So going back to acoustics, um, you know, the idea of like, mono tra- tracking a guitar in mono versus stereo um you had mentioned that you like to do xy uh i love doing xy i think it's a it's a great way to spread the guitars out but like when it comes to choosing whether or not you're going to track something in mono or stereo how do you go about deciding like when and where you're going to do that or or do you just always mic your guitars up the same way no well, that's I guess a really not the good
1: same question. way but. um i mean i i tr- try to use it depends, you know. If I'm in a studio, I, I used to bring a bunch of gear and all that. And I I kinda like going in places and using what they have now. Maybe maybe bring one or two things as as insurance, but no, I don't think too much about the mic. It's gonna be some kind of small diaphragm condenser. Or fifty seven's great. I saw Celia Massey use a fifty seven on guitar. I was like, damn.
0: They're pretty versatile. you can use them on a lot of things and get away with a decent sound. 57 that works You can even hammer nails with it and can come back and
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm just kidding i wouldn't do that but uh i'll use some kind of pencil mic you know and then aura 414 is cool uh, and depending on if the band has specific ideas everybody w- wants to get everything done and then come back and overdub we can double it later personally i like doing it right now while you
0: just played it is that what you're asking well just i guess more along the lines of like making sure that you don't paint yourself in a corner like when it comes to the mix like are you making that decision ahead of time like you kind of know based on the music that the guitar might be more of a mono kind of thing where you want to pan it off to one side or are you are you are you thinking that far in advance when you're when you're deciding on what kind of technique
1: sometimes i am if i know it's going to be like a, a clean kind of polished modern say country thing or if it's a rock thing and that's just some kind of supporting but if, if it's you know clean it's going to be you know super tight then I'll, I'll do i'll do like an xy or something because you're not gonna or, or, or i'll do a double but want the guy to do it right then but i will be more you know determined to get it you know, if it's a little loose, I'll deal with it right then. Like, hey, man, and you can you can do a lot of fixing in the computer, too, but but I'd rather the guy play it. Uh, if it's just some club rock and roll stuff, I might be like, yeah, let's just double that and not really worry too much about how accurate it is. It needs to be, you know, musically accurate. But So I'll make the decision when we're tracking. And then, like, the other day, I was w- recording some guy, and I wanted to double stuff. And he didn't really want to. And, man, I'm, I joke around that I don't, you know, I care, but I joke around that I'm the Burger King of recording. Have it your way. You look maybe too young to remember that ad campaign. It was, like, yeah, have it your way, right? We well, you don't give a shit. Whatever you want on your burger, that's your deal. <laughs> it's not quite like that. And I'm like, well, if the dude doesn't want to, it's his record. And uh, if I'm really wanting something, I'll ask a few times. What if they're just like, man, I don't really want to do that. My brother's playing this, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right. Change of plans. I used to get so dialed in with track layout and what we're gonna do and all that that it was hard for me to change because you know I used to need to have a plan. Now the plan is just be flexible, dude. Don't piss the artist off, you know. Be Do you really want two mediocre double tracks or do you want a really good track that he's not worrying about doubling, you know, that kind of stuff. So
0: fair, yeah. No, that's that's a really good point. You had also kind of brought up the idea of um you know, kind of keeping with the times and, and how that kind of plays into some of your sound. So with that said, like when it comes to working with, with with Willie who has this like amazing extensive back catalog that, you know, over the years, the technology has evolved so much, you know, how much of an emphasis is there on like trying to keep his record sound modern versus just keeping that classic Willie Nelson sound that so many people know and love already, you know? Well, that's a, that's a good
1: question. Um, the stuff that he's doing in Nashville is really clean and, and I mean, it's excellent. I love the records. Buddy and Tony, Buddy Cannon and Tony Castle, great. And all the musicians they use, I got to meet them on a few sessions. Really good, tight records. We did, a, I, I did a record with Willie over COVID, though, that was called The Family Record. And, and man, his son came down and said, he wants you to co-produce this with him. I was like, wow, okay. You know, and and we just kind of let, let it happen they were all in the room singing and playing and that's more of like how they sound when they come in and play so i'm all about that for that for a gospel family gospel record that was the way to go but like i was saying with the double track guitars if i'm over in nashville and i'm about to put out a record on sony with with willie i'm probably going to get some a-list guys and make it really tight and polished you know Mm -hmm. So, but with his tracks, like I, I, I leave, I leave stuff in on the guitar. You know, I think Buddy does that to a certain degree. You know, so it does sound like him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've lost focus of the question.
0: <laughs> no, no, like it was kind of matter. It was like, you know, are you guys trying to make modern sounding records? Or are you trying to preserve more of that like legacy kind of sound? Um,
1: yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I'm just trying to get his tracks recorded as well as I can, and that to me, that is. Not a lot of processing and just letting him sing and play. Uh, so I could speak for the guitar and vocal. I just kind of leave them alone, yeah, and, and let them. But I don't know what they do in, 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 to the tracks in Nashville. I know they're super clean and they sound great. So, <laughs> I mean, those players are so good; they might be played that way. You know what I mean? Not everything's edited. Yeah, I, I did a record with Ray Price and and his. He had Buddy emmons and jimmy caps and pete wade and all these guys that at the time this rocker kid from dallas i didn't know these people you know i'm not a country dude i wasn't but they were so amazing i looked them up and i was like oh that's why they all played appropriately to the song in the room parts new one to lay out you didn't have to edit anything i didn't hardly edit anything on that record man. yeah and if there was a mistake, they fixed it right away. And you didn't, they played so much the same. You could punch it on a note and come out. It was just <laughs> like, wow. So, no, I, 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 it depends on the record. Willie, I'm not trying to make his track super polished. I don't EQ him. I use a Brawner Velvet mic with an old Amperex tube from the 60s in it. And I go through uh, a preamp, sometimes a millennia, sometimes the 5088, and a tube tick. That's all I've ever done. I've gone th- I went th- used to go through a Neve 1073 and a Tube Tech. That's it. No EQ, no top end, nothing
0: like that. Wow. well, I mean that that just goes to show you like the power of getting it right at the source, you know, using the right equipment, using the right positioning, the right performances, all that and how it That's all a comes of together. Of course too, man. Willie Nelson. <laughs> yeah,
1: of awesome. course, right?
0: <laughs> and the
1: amp, you know, it's a Baldwin, I put a 57 on it. If if I have control i leave the vocal mic in to fatten it up but i know a lot of people take that out and just use the amp with the 57 it it sounds like it does on the records man if you're standing next to the amp you're like wow that that sounds like you know the record
0: yeah that's awesome well hey i mean that again that just really goes to show the the importance of getting it right at the source and spending that time and obviously you've you've honed in that system of working with Willie and knowing, you know how to get that sound and you know what what mics probably work really well on him and all that stuff and you know yeah and I've experimented and had to come
1: back around you know but, yeah uh, the source is the way to do it I mean you always got to EQ stuff and there comes a point when you got to quit going out there and messing around with stuff and I've spent days with other guys on drum sounds and at the end of the day you're like did we really need to work on this drum set for a day and a half you know but eq is good and it's it's useful but yeah if you can go turn some key some lugs on the drums or turn a knob on the amp there's a concept move the mic a quarter inch that'll that's amazing you know oh it's too bright let's move the mic a little oh, it's not bright enough move it yeah that's the best but and just you know i'm, I'm so grateful i learned from from someone who knew about that stuff for sure and paid attention. Now, I still can't tune drums, per se, but I can be like, hey, man, that needs that's too tight. You need to lower that. That's too loose. You know, I got an idea of where it needs to be. Amps and, and guitar guitar mic, Mikey, I'm all over that because I'm a guitar player. It's like, yeah, man, turn your mid-range up. Dude, can we turn off some of that bass? You know, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So then as far as that experimentation side of it goes, because you did say that, yeah, sometimes I'll switch up a mic or that kind of thing. You know, how does... How do you impl- how do you integrate that into the into your process? Because you know, like you said, Willie likes to work fast. So, you know, do you find yourself in a situation where he's like, oh, let's let's try something different? Like, is it kind of his ideas to try th- something different, or you're nah. kind of just throwing it in, hoping for, hoping for the best? Yeah, he just wants to come in
1: and play. He's not into the recording process that that much, other than you know, it sounds good. You know. He, he's very, he, he gave me a very good compliment about how I'm always there. It's always sounds good. You know, that's about all you're going to get. He wants to hear it back and sound good. But uh, if I'm working, I, I don't experiment much with Willie. You know, I put an 87 on his amp one time just to see. And, then he, and the assistant put that in his phones, even though I said, make sure he gets the 57 in the phones and he knew in like two notes. So it's <laughs> not right with the amp. I'm like, dude, get the 57 in his phones now, but I don't mess around. You know, I use what works. With him, but if I'm in there with other bands and time's not a huge, uh, huge element, which always sucks when the band's like, now we gotta get this done. It's like, all right. So you want it to sound fast and not good, right? (laughs) So I just, yeah, I'll throw up, I'll always have like the 57s always in there. Maybe I'll throw a ribbon up, you know, I always have a little bit of what works and then some wildcard thing. And I'll know immediately, man, that ain't happening. Let's just go back to what works. Or, wow, that's really cool. Let's get rid of the 57 and see what's going on with this mic. If I'm in there with friends, which at this point in my life, that's who I record mostly, bands that I'm familiar with and we're hanging. But, you know, if shit goes awry, I'm ready to stay there 12 hours, 14 hours, because, man, I really shouldn't have tried that. Can we go back and do that again?
0: (laughs) You know, so... Experiment at your own risk. <laughs> yeah, but but I love that advice that you gave. Of if you if you are going to experiment, experiment while doing the thing that works. Like yeah. how, you know, you're not you're not uh, sidetracking the session just for you to experiment. You're you're just doing something in addition to see if it works. And very quickly you'll know if it doesn't or, or yeah. if it does.
1: And I yeah. love working. I love working with all the Nelsons, but especially Micah because he's killer, man. He's got a He's He's got a band Particle Kid, and he just likes weird stuff or unconventional stuff, even to the point where I'm going – like one of his mix notes a while back was you should feel like you shouldn't be doing this and that you're messing up the mix while you're doing it. And boy, (laughs) I sure did. And I kept telling my girlfriend, geez, I want to come over there. My girlfriend's a huge part of my life. She sits here while I mix. Uh, I like to bounce things off of her because she's not really super technical, but she knows like what she likes and what she doesn't. And I think those people are super valuable.
0: Yeah. You need those. Those are, those are fans, right?
1: It's the audience, you know. Yeah. It's, it just hangs out, and it's. I hate, hate when people go. I don't. I'm not a professional. I'm like, good. I don't want a professional's opinion. I want <laughs> Joe Public, you know. But Michael will have me do stuff, and he's also game for like, hey, man, can I, you mind if I try this? You know, you got to know your know your client. Some people don't want you messing around, for sure.
0: Yeah, no, that that's interesting, and it's a again good good thing to to keep in mind. And I do like the idea of bouncing things off of people that uh, aren't aren't technically yeah. proficient because you're not going to get those notes of like, you know, boost three K or whatever, you know, it's like, it's just, is it good or not? You know, that, that's usually what it comes down to. Right. Um, but right on, man, like, yeah, I think, you know, everything you've shared here is amazing. And I think it's given us a lot of insight into what goes into what makes a procession run as smoothly as it does, you know, and a lot of the techniques and a lot of the, the tips that you gave, I think they are things that people, regardless of if, if it's like a big star or not, these are things that people need to take and, Implement into their sessions because you got to be fast, you got to be efficient, you got to be respectful. You have to all—all those things that you mentioned are things that people need to do because that's how you keep people coming back to you. That's how you create a good experience. That's how you get great results. And I think it's really important that people need to hear that stuff. So, so thanks, thanks for sharing all that, man. Yeah, man, you're welcome. It's just be human, man, and and man, you don't know everything. I
1: don't know everything. I might think I do, and in the back of my mind, I'm going, "Well, I'm going to try this," but that's some man. That's a dumbass idea. And then I'll put it up and try it. I'm like, "Damn, I guess I'm the dumbass." You got to be open to learning. I said it recently in an interview. If if you're not, you're just going to be making the same record over and over again. I mean, it's good to know what works, but. Man, be open to people. Don't shut people down. Even if you know something's not going to work, let that guy figure it out for himself. It might be worth 20 minutes, 30 minutes instead of sitting there and being like, I know better than you. This ain't going to work. I've done it 50 times. It never works. First of all, it may work that time. You don't know. Probably not going to. And sometimes the best argument is just letting the dude try something and have him go, yeah, that that sucks. I don't want to do that. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. there's no there's no that's where that psychology comes in and i'm not like consciously going well i'm going to be a psychiatrist and let him do this well i'm just like <laughs> i only learned by screwing stuff up that's how i make good records now is i screwed up so Absolutely. many other records and i'm finally like wow don't do that again how many times can you you know there's always a new mistake but i, I don't find them too often but sometimes i do
0: of course yeah that's the best approach to have. Like I've always, every band I've ever worked with, I've always told them right from the get go, like good or bad, we're going to try out every single idea and we have to hear it through. And, and half the time it's like, I don't think something's going to work, but sometimes a good thing happens, you know, or sometimes it's like, I know that if we try it that way and we hear it a different way, they're going to realize the other way is better. So it's like, You know, sometimes that's how you have to get to those whatever serves the song best, you know, like ultimately that's what it comes down to. And you just got to try things to see what works.
1: Absolutely. And and different is okay. Like I've got again, uh, I've been working with Micah recently a lot. So I've got two or maybe three different versions of this song he's putting out with his dad. And I like the second version we did, but they're putting out the third version. None of the versions are bad. They're all just different. You know. Yeah. Yeah. What do you and do, the, man? We don't all like chocolate, you know? Some of us like vanilla.
0: <laughs> of course, yeah. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to their vision and what they like. And if, if whatever they like is is the key, like that's, they're your clients. That's that's what they're paying for, and you know, yeah. that's their, their artistic vision, right? And if I'm producing
1: something, that's what I, that's, I tell people, like, if you want me to get all up in the song and tell you, well, let's do, I have ideas and stuff, but really my my style is I want to get what you want to, to get across with input. I'm not going to just sit there and go, whatever, dude. You know, I'm like, hey, let's try this. Or hey, you know, if I'm hearing this harmony or Should we put this guitar part? But I'm not going to be like, man, you, this is, I'm producing, man, I've seen this a thousand times. I'm producing, we're doing it this way. Bah. Well, some guys want that kind of direction. I'm not your man if that's your thing. If you don't know where you're going, I don't have a map but I got a really good car that could get you there. If you know where you're going, you know, So I'll take you. <laughs> so that's for sure. That's, wow. I never said that before. I got to write that one down. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take a quote of that one there. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Is more like it. I'm just, I'm just winging it
0: 27 years later, <laughs> but it, but it's important. It's important to know what you bring to the table and who, who you want to work with. And, and cause it's, you know, the bands that come to you wanting that person that gives all of, you know, that's constantly ripping everything apart, they're not going to have a great experience with you. Not not not, not that you're not going to make a great sounding record for them, but it's just that, that it's going to be butting heads all the time. So it is important to know, like, you know, Whenever you're working with a producer, or an engineer, or an artist, it's like you always have to be sharing that same same vision, be be on that same level with each other, so you can really get the most out of the session. And so, if you know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, like that's a good thing to 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 use to your advantage, right? And and if when when I was
1: working commercially, you have to be kind of a chameleon. You don't have to be a fake ass about it, but you have to be adaptable and realize you're here to get these guys in and out but now that i'm working more um, on things that you know are people i know and stuff like that i mean i just i just know what i like and what i don't it's not necessarily what you like and what you don't but let's try and get there even if i don't like the music If I'm in a situation or I don't get in these situations much, but where I didn't like the band or I didn't like the politics of the band, I mean, politics, religion, social issues, they got no business in the studio, but boy, it comes up. Worst case scenario, I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to get lost in the work. I don't like this. I don't like these people, maybe. And then that doesn't happen often, but it happens. Let's be realistic. You can't be in a room with somebody 27 years and not run across people you don't like. Of course. I still get lost. I'm not like, man, these guys are assholes. I'm going to do whatever to get them in and out of here. I just can't do that. I will go, all right, I'm going to make this the best sounding record that I don't care for that there that there <laughs> ever was. You know, And I get lost in the sound. I mean, that really is how i operate i try to find what's good well what's good here is this guitar sound and let's try and make everything good i don't have to listen to their stupid ass jokes i don't have to do this and you get through it you know yeah you can always make something worthwhile to do of course even if it's personal and internal and they and they don't know about it you know
0: yeah i love that though i think that that's a really important thing because yeah you i mean you you Sometimes have to push your boundaries to see like what what you like, and what you don't like and work in different genres or whatever, like especially in the early stages, you might be taking on all the clients you can possibly get, whether you like their music or not. And you you still have to find something that you're drawn to about it, you know, and have fun with it and, and not yeah. not just hate everything you're doing, because if you're doing that, you're going to get out of the business really quickly. So, yeah. And I do find joy, in, and I was
1: joking with my girlfriend, there's just no joy left. You know, There's just no joy. I just joke, you know? Yeah. But there is joy. And sometimes that joy is just the sound. It doesn't go for, past that. But more often than not, I really love what I do, man. You know? I love that. Old, the older I get, you know, but I'll still pull. I did 100 hours in a week with the Super Suckers, this band I've been working with for a long time. Because they're homeboys, and we're hanging out, and we're making some hard rock, and we were just rocking, man. But after that week... At that time, I was 52, 51, 52. I was like, damn, it took a week to recover from the week. Whereas before, a bad damn day hanging out, and I'm like, bam, let's go do some more. I was like, golly, I don't feel old, but sometimes my body's telling me, dude, you're 54, man. You can't do 100 hours in a week, but I'll do it again with them next record because I love those guys and it's badass, you know?
0: Love it, man. Yeah, I love it. Like, you. You I can hear it in your voice. Like you you clearly love just like doing what you do and you're having fun with it and you're living your best life. And that, that's amazing, man. I love that. that. Yeah, man. You know? Yeah,
1: that's you the dream, man. You know, if you're not having fun, you might as well be punching a clock and getting a 401k and, and just, you know, I don't have I you know, I'm self-employed technically. I don't have insurance. I don't have a 401k. I don't have all that stuff. People, but boy, I get up and I'm like go in my living room and fire some stuff up. Sometimes if I don't have work, I'll just mix something.
0: Yes. Yeah, the thing even you're passionate about it. It. You'll do it even when it's not work.
1: Just going to throw something up. Cause I'm bored. You can only watch so much, you know, showtime or whatever, you know, it's just like, yeah. Jesus, man, everything on TV sucks. I think I'll mix something. I already mixed and see, do something different. Or I think I'll mix something that wasn't out. It was an outtake. And then I'll strike the mix done. Yeah. Well, that's make, your time to experiment Do it for myself, but that's it that's what i do i don't know what else to do i have no idea what to do when i'm not working on music i, I agree <laughs> i'm the same way i can see you got a guitar amp you got yeah some i groovy. got my drums my guitars drums. all this
0: stuff going on right so yeah, yeah man
1: i got racks and racks of gear and well you know it's just like i don't really need all this but I. I it's like
0: fun it. it's yeah it's <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs>
1: Really all you need is a good song man two chords in the truth or something Bob Dylan somebody said that. Just need just need good music man. And, and music music is like good or bad and that's subjective in itself.
0: I, I 100% agree. I've always I've always viewed it that way and it, it kind of goes back to what you said earlier about just like finding enjoyment in in the stuff you're doing even if it's you know even if you don't agree with the artist or whatever. It's like I've always viewed it that way like I can listen to any genre of music and find something in it that I enjoy, you know, it might not be like the thing I always listen to, but I can find some value in it. And I think taking that same approach, whether it's like the people you work with or just the work the music you're working on, it's like you have, you have to find that joy in there, you know, yeah. or find the thing that excites you, you know.
1: And that changes. Like I used to be, uh, I mentioned before, I grew up in Dallas. It was all sweet picking and arpeggios. Blah, blah, blah. Now I, I look at that stuff and I'm still kind of like, man, that's pretty badass, but damn, I can't, I can't sit here and listen. <laughs> and I used to listen to country and go, what the hell is this dude talking about, you know, his mama, this and prison and blah, 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 pickup truck. And now it's a 180. Now I'm like, it might be from getting older. I'm like, man, I, I relate to that song. You know, the story. Yeah, it's the same chord progression, but it's the story. I'm mm-hmm. I not mean, I still like the shred, dude. I'm still going, damn. Wow. But you know, it's it's you gotta be changing all the time, you know. Of course. Country music taught me a lot. I never listened to country a day in my life till I got in the studio. And then I started listening. I'm like, what the hell is this, man? <laughs> but now I'm like, oh wow, check that out. Hey, that's an interesting. There's a lot of musical elements in country that people take for granted, but when a guy's singing about something that you've gone through, and that shit hits you, man, I've been in tears a couple of times, man. Willie's made me cry like two, three times in the last five years. I'm at the <laughs> console, crying. Oh, Jesus, get your shit together, man. You work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty awesome, dude. If you're crying from joy, you know, not because your job sucks. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Right on, man. Well, I know you got to go dinner. You got to go to dinner with your mom, so I don't yeah. want to keep you talking much longer. But uh, man, th- th- thank you for hopping on here. I really appreciate it. And uh, if people want to learn more about you or follow you online, what's the best way for them to do that? Man, if you go to if
1: you Google Steve Shady, my website will come up. If you want to see a lot of gear and and some smart ass comments, <laughs> all in fun and joy and jest, go to Instagram at Steve Shady Fifty because. At the time the person who set it up for me, I was fifty. I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna be fifty that long. <laughs> but that's what it is. But <laughs> just Google. It's it's pretty funny. If you ever Googled yourself and a lot of stuff comes up, you're like, oh my God, I didn't know if that picture was up there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So everyone, click on the show notes so that way you don't see the embarrassing stuff. I'll just send you right to the links that you need to have. <laughs> well, I missed this one picture used to come up. I was in my daughter;
1: she's 22 now, but she she had a Winnie the Pooh hat had Winnie the Pooh on it, and I have a broom plugged into a Marshall stack. And I used to be like, "You idiot, man!" But you know <laughs> what, what the hell were you thinking? But now I I can't find that picture. But what what the the thing is is I I remember the day it was taken, the band I was with. I was like, "Yeah, y'all were having a good time."
0: Yeah. You gotta, Hey, you gotta, you gotta have fun and live life. And you know, that's human, right? So yeah, man, totally. Yeah, totally. Well, man, I appreciate you reaching out, man. That was awesome. All right. So that was my interview with Steve Shady and that was awesome. Steve's just such, he's such a fun guy. I had such a great time chatting with him and uh, lots of jokes and I could tell why he fits in really well in the studio with a lot of artists that he works with and why they would want to keep coming back to them. Cause he's just such a personable guy and you know, I think it's important to have that when you're in the studio with someone. You wanna be with someone that you trust and that you have a good time with. And Steve definitely has that attitude and approach to everything he does. So I can definitely see how he resonates with a lot of bands. But it was really interesting in this interview. I loved hearing the stories about working with Willie and you know some of the approaches that they take to recording. And I love hearing about how everything just works so fast. It's one of those things that in digital, so many people take their time. They start to experiment so much. And they get lost in all the things that are possible because of digital recording, but you know there's something to be said for just working efficiently, getting in there, having a vision for what you want your recordings to sound like, working fast, getting it done, and being and being done with it. Uh, and so it's great to hear stories of people that just continue to work that way. And it's also amazing just to get some insight into some of the recordings that some of these legends are making. And so, uh, yeah, very cool to have Steve on the show and tell us a little bit about that story and give us a little bit of a behind the scenes view of, you know, what really goes into some of these records and how they're made. So, yeah, that was just a lot of fun. And hopefully we can have Steve back another time because I think that there's a lot more that we can dive into with him as well. So I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I hope that you found it interesting. And if you're a Will and Nelson found, I'm sure you did. Yeah, and even if you're not, there's a lot of great information here that you can take from this interview and apply it to your own sessions. So yeah, I hope that you found that interesting. If you did, definitely make sure to subscribe to the podcast and also make sure to visit MasterYourMix.com. That's where I help out musicians with creating pro sounding recordings from their home studios. And on that website, I've got tons of great resources designed to help you make the process of recording and mixing your music easier. And one resource that you definitely want to check out while you're there is called the Mixing My. Mindset. That is my book that I put out where I break down the process of mixing, make it super step by step for you, covering what steps to take, what order to work in, what to be listening for, how to dial in your settings and personalize all your settings to get the best sound for your particular mix. This isn't about template mixing where everything sounds the same. No, it's about helping you find your artistic vision and helping you actually make that artistic vision come out of your speakers. So make sure to check that out. It's called The Mixing Mindset and it's available at MasterYourMix.com. And that is it for this episode, guys. I hope that you enjoyed that. And I look forward to chatting with you in the next one. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Master Your Mix podcast. To have your questions answered, submit your questions to questions at masteryourmix.com. Please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. And for more information on how you can improve your mixes, visit masteryourmix.com.